On today's Josh Nason's Punch-Out, we continue our series looking back at the year that was in pro wrestling in 2022. And we're at a great month, September. Arguably the biggest month of the year for news outside, of course, the Vince McMahon stuff this summer. But all kinds of stuff happened. Like what? Uh, Let me see. Oh, yeah. All out. Brawl out. All types of stuff happened at the show that was newsworthy. New trios champions, new uh, inner women's champion, all that good stuff. However, the big stuff happened after the show, something that could potentially change the course of AEW forever. We talk about all that. Of course, WWE had a great month. They clashed at the castle in Cardiff, Wales. Big event, tons of money, tons of fans, fun show overall, banger after banger. We talk about that. And of course, that wasn't all that happened during the month. AEW had their second annual Grand Slam event in Queens, New York, with no Kenny Omega, no Young Bucks, no CM Punk, no Adam Cole, no Kyle O'Reilly, no Bobby Fish, and no FTR. We talk about that. WWE launched the White Rabbit campaign, which would lead to the eventual return, spoiler alert, of Bray Wyatt. Of course, NXT had a big month with Worlds Collide and some unification matches there. There was stuff that happened in Impact, Japan, the Indies, Velveteen Dream news all over the place. It was a great month in helping me break everything down. Colin McGuire of ProWrestling.net, a first-time guest, and we had a great conversation, so let's get right into it. Yours truly, Colin McGuire, talking about September 2022 in the year that was in pro wrestling. Enjoy. Well, the year interview series returns, pro wrestling, of course, and we are here in September. August, the summer is done. We say say farewell to Fightful's Kate Elizabeth for now, and we introduce someone new to the show, another first-time guest. My favorite guests are always the first-time ones, and this one is uh, someone I got to know a little bit over the summer uh, via email and uh, social media and such. His name is Colin McGuire. He is a wrestler for ProWrestling.net. Of course, we know Jason Powell as well. Uh, he does uh, the Monday uh, Monday blog, which is McGuire Mondays, if I have that right. Mm-hmm. That's AW, correct. He recaps uh, AEW Rampage, New Japan Strong, and so on and so forth. Call McGuire. Welcome to the show. It is amazing to be here. It's so great to meet you and see you. And, and you have such a, a great background, I should say. <laughs> that is my, because <laughs> people cannot see this because this is not a video <laughs> podcast. But yeah, that's my uh, co-worker, uh, Steve, who in my, my day job, um, it, he, this is a marketing campaign we did, uh, cause he looks very similar to the, um, the Dos Equis guy is the oh, best yeah. way to describe him. Mm-hmm. And the, it was a, the most reputable, uh, so there's the most reputable man in the world, uh, for Dos Equis, the campaign they used to do. And for my job, we did a, uh, when, when I'm an email and he said, it's the most reputable sender in the world. And the funny thing is, because you can see this, he kind of looks like him. He does, yeah. He the does. original idea was someone that looks nothing like him. And I said, look, Steve, who's in the email, looks exactly like him. Why don't we just use him? And they're like, you think he would do it? I'm like, yes, I've worked with him for 10 plus years. I'm sure he would. And he got, <laughs> he, he, had, he filled these, sil- sim- these uh, silly ads that we did. And he got a nice new suit out of it. So that actually turned that's, out good for Steve. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I know you and I were talking about uh, sets and things like that. You know, people have these video setups and 
Awesome. Yeah. I'm very uh, jealous. Of course, I'm, I'm looking at your set. We've talked about this before. Uh, your set being musical instruments and things like that. So I didn't yes. even ask, I didn't even ask before. <laughs> so uh, you're a musician, right? The the drums and organ and such. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I've been I've been playing drums my my whole life. Um, been doing that, and I also picked up piano stuff maybe in the last two or three years. That was kind of my pandemic thing, I guess, was figuring out how to play the piano. I'm not good at all. I don't want to. I don't want to false advertise myself on any level but you know it was kind of fun when you were kind of stowed away for months on end to noodle around on a piano or this this weird church organ i have behind me that is also we should say is flanked by uh, jim ross's autograph that's right yes (laughs) so awesome um yeah yeah just a bunch of musical instruments and unfortunately it's not wrestling memorabilia but that's a different podcast i suppose that's all right that's right (laughs) i have some wrestling i don't have a ton but i have some stuff Somewhere. Eventually, when this gets on uh, on video, maybe I'll actually have something behind me. I have uh, all those like LJN LJN figures, you know, like the. I do too. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, from like the eighties. Yes. Yeah, I do. I have I, I have a whole suitcase full of them. Like they're peeling. They're so old. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. 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 Nice. That's well, crazy, man. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe a year from now, we'll uh, we'll do this, and we'll each have all of them set up or something like that. You that's right. Know. I, I'll send you some of mine and you can put them behind you too. I have, <laughs> nice. I have like Coco beware and the parrot. So, Oh, Frankie. Nice. Yeah. Frankie. Yeah. Do you have uh, the, re- the wrestling ring? I do. I do. I think yeah, I it's do. Like, it. It's held together by tape at this point though. Yeah. It's, I, I have uh, I have a ring, but yeah, I, I don't think I have any of the ring posts and things like that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my, um, I wouldn't say I, this isn't my like uh, holy grail, but did you ever see? I think I've asked this to people before. You ever see the old AWA figures from like the eighties and the old ring? Have you seen that before? I have seen those. Yeah, I haven't seen them in the wild. I've just seen them on the internet. Yeah, I saw them. Uh, friends of mine had them like years in, when I was a kid growing up, and I always remember that because it was so random. Because it wasn't like AWA was anything we watched, right? It wasn't yeah. like available. <laughs> yeah. But the random yeah. had this. I was so fascinated by them. Every time we go, they had like Road Warriors figures and things like that. But they were so much smaller than, uh, yeah. than the other ones. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool, man. I, you're the only person that I've met who appreciates those old LGN figures. Oh, because I like I know it's sort of in vogue now for people to collect wrestling action figures. But, man, you don't know if you didn't know back in the 80s and 90s what it was like to get those things. I know. Yeah. They're just giant and rubber. And they hurt yeah. if, you hit, if you hit your brother <laughs> exactly. on the head with them and things like that. Uh, so how long have you been, uh, for those that are not familiar with it, how long have you been doing uh, work with Pro Wrestling Net and how'd you get into it? Um. I would probably say uh, maybe three years, maybe two and a half, three years now at this point. Um, I actually began, I, there was, a an opening to cover 205 live rest in peace, 205 live. And I emailed Jason and I said, look, um, all of my experience is writing about music or working in newspapers. I've never written about wrestling before, but would you take a flyer on me to cover 205 live? And he said, sure. And I started on 205 live that then kind of morphed into covering the early days of new japan strong that would have been a few years ago so i guess maybe it's longer than what i said but i I covered a lot of those earlier new japan strong episodes and then from there on to rampage and then starting that column blog that happens on mondays on on prowrestling.net so yeah i've just i've just been trying i keep 
I'm like, I have all, I have all these ideas, man. Can, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And Jason's like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And he's, he's allowed me to, to get away with, with doing things like writing this, uh, this Monday piece or these Monday pieces that I think I might even reference when we get into this stuff from, from this month, I have a couple uh, ideas or, or things to say about it in relation to this, because so much of what I write about is, is kind of, you know, it's all opinion, but it's all on conjecture. It's mm. all about like what is reported and what we know at the time and what we know at the time today might differ from what we know tomorrow. <laughs> and everything kind of trickles out in that way, but we'll get into that later. That was a very long-winded answer, but the I've been there about three, three and a half years, maybe two and a half. I don't know. Something nice. like that. Nice, nice. Through 205 Live. Who knew, right? Who knew? Yes, all, all through 205 Live. Sometimes you just got to take an opportunity, right? That's what happens. That's and right. Yeah. That. Now, now you're on Josh Nason's punch out looking at the I know. September. Look at look how look at things happen. <laughs> man, I'll tell you what. The only the only thing it's like hook, man. It's like hook. You just rise up. You rise, you get one <laughs> chance and you rise up. <laughs> That's right. All right. So we're looking at uh, again at the month of September. And again, September was a a month, uh, a month only by a lot of big headlines by both uh, the big organizations. We'll get to those. Uh, 454 headlines scanned for this one. And we're going to start out for the second straight month. We're going to start with uh, AEW All Out, or as some people call it, all caps, <laughs> Brawl Out. So let's go over the official particulars, because obviously this month was dominated by uh, the fight backstage after All Out. So we'll kind of kind of set up again all the things that happened beforehand uh, and some of the fallout from this as well. So the event obviously took place in Chicago uh, between uh, estimated 135,000, 142,000 uh, pay-per-view buys, uh, over a million dollars in ticket sales, so another great gate for uh, AEW in Chicago. Main event, CM Punk, CM Poxley, CM Punk defeating John Moxley, <laughs> CM Poxley. It's like a garbage pail kid. <laughs> CM Punk defeating John Moxley to regain the uh, AEW world title. Of course, just, just coming a uh, very short time after Moxley defeated Punk on Dynamite in that very short match. We talked about Kate Elizabeth last time to kind of set things up. And it was, again, a lot of the buzz going, this is kind of the, the why and, and, and the how, and did that affect the main event and so on. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but then afterward, of course, Punk in his press conference, um, media with, uh, with Tony Khan went off on Colt Cabana, uh, the AEW EVPs, Hangman Page, uh, anyone that it kind of would cross his path. Everyone knows kind of what happened there at this point. And then, uh, he went backstage and then all hell broke loose and we still don't have any video as, as far as what happened, which, you know, I think someday we might see because it's I've worked in arenas before and arenas have cameras everywhere, especially in 2022. So we'll see about that. Uh, he tore his triceps uh, during the match as well. That would put him out. Uh, Punk uh, was some of the quotes uh, talking about MGF's AEW turn. I'm quote unquote tired of wrestling these pricks. Uh, MGF returned on the show. Of course, he won the casino ladder match or the mass joker did or the devil rather. Won that match at the beginning. Uh, again, he was the Joker entrant, but he didn't reveal himself till later on. I think everyone kind of knew what the story was there. Uh, after you know, it was just a weird kind of setup and all that stuff. But we got to where we needed to go. And as he would refer to later on, that he his return got overshadowed by all the punk stuff, uh, and that was definitely true. The Elite returned. Well, they actually they returned earlier in the month uh, with the, in August, but they won the first ever trios titles over Dark Order, and of course, Dark Order. Uh, including Adam uh, Hangman Adam Page, who had joined the team on the rampage before to get to the spot. 
Leading into the Moxley Punk match, JR said there were logic holes to be filled in, so he wasn't a fan of that build. No big surprise there. Uh, Ruby Soho suffered a broken nose at the Zero Hour pay-per-view and ended up having to get surgery later in the month. Samoa Joe returned to the show. Tony Storm won the interim women's world title. Uh, Tony Khan responded with expletives. WWE also rang Labor Day weekend, of course, with Clash at the Castle and, and uh, other shows, so we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Uh, Christian Cage, uh, we learned that an injury led to a quick match versus Jungle Boy, one that Christian Cage won, which was strange why he would win, given that he had an injury and there's a quick match, so kind of strange there. <clears throat> we learned afterwards that uh, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, and Sammy, Vera, Sammy Guevara rather, were all recalled for Dynamite and Rampage that following week because of all the suspensions, so we'll get the suspensions in a second. Moxley was about to take a six-week vacation until he was called back. We learned later that MJF was a neutral witness to this backstage altercation, of course. And, of course, the fallout. AEW vacating both the World and Trios titles. The Tournament of Champions was announced. And, of course, on that night, uh, we saw new Trios champions crowned, being Death Triangle. Of course, in the vacation notice uh, from Coney Khan, did not mention why. Didn't mention Punk. Didn't mention the Bucks by name. It was just kind of this weird thing. Punk, Omega, the Bucks were all removed from the AEW Dynamite Open. Um... Earlier, and I had this note because going into this, there was this awesome promo by Ace Steel, and he had to pay an internal fine because he swore during the promo. If that, if you had said that that was the biggest thing going on that week for him, I would have said yes. And then, of course, days later, that would seem like the most minimal thing in the whole world. Um, Tony Khan, we continue. Tony Khan said Punk had nothing to do. This is going into the pay-per-view. Punk had nothing to do with Cole, Caban- Cole Cabana being moved to Ring of Honor. Kenny Omega's appearance afterward on the Swerve City podcast was delayed due to unfortunate circumstances. Um, Tony, uh, Kenny Omega, there was a learned there was a mixed reaction. Um, Kenny Omega made a joke about kind of the eight out of ten wrestlers quip. I have to look up what that is, but um, I, I briefly rem- I remember what that was. Um, the Being the Elite YouTube series announced their hiatus, and then in the weeks afterwards, we'd have people coming back from suspensions that were never officially announced. But we had to kind of get secondhand that they were actually suspensions. Brandon Cutler, Pat Buck were cleared after their suspensions. Christopher Daniels, Michael Nakazawa eventually returned. Kenny Omega was unable to appear at Triple Mania due to the suspension. And later on in the month, the Elite had not heard anything from AEW, and the situation was believed to be on hold. Whew, that's a lot. But let me, I'll kick it over to you. Your thoughts about... Everything brawl out and everything that happened afterward. The floor is yours. Oh my goodness gracious. Um you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I think CM Punk has been painted as the villain since this all happened to in to a lot of people at least. Um listening to the last uh, the last one of these you did your guest said that she was a complete CM Punk fan, I I believe, right? Correct. Yes, so, yes she did. So and and I'm not going to go I'm not going to necessarily go to those links, but I, I will say that I I'm beginning to believe that the sort of gag order on everybody and everything has kind of hurt um, people like Kenny Omega and the young bucks and even Tony Khan and even AEW as a whole, because we don't know. And we'll never know. We know these rumors. We know these firsthand accounts. We know these things that we are supposed to believe, but how detailed are they? How, honest are i mean who knows i mean like you said there are security cameras in every arena in the world these days until we see that footage i think then we can make our own our own assumptions right Mm -hmm. so so when it comes to all of that 
I feel like I need to see some of it before I, I draw any conclusions right now. It just kind of feels like, I mean, CM or CM Punk's gone. The Young Bucks and um, Kenny Omega are uh, are there. Um, they've taken their shots, right? They've taken their pot shots at CM Punk since mm-hmm. coming back, and that's you know that's some gamesmanship or some fun. Um, I think the idea that we're all going to live happily ever after and CM Punk's going to come back, I don't think that's necessarily in the cards. But I do understand why people might believe that because these days nobody really knows what to believe. Um, I don't know. I think if there's one thing to take away from it on some level, however big or small you want to believe, AEW was exposed for being something that it wasn't. You know, like we it's kind of hard to think there aren't people out there now who are going to look at the young bucks and Kenny Omega and think, well, they are dictating what actually goes on here. And if you aren't in good with them, you're not going to succeed in this company. CM Punk was kind of the person to call that out, whether or not that's true. I don't know, but I think that that perception might be there. And I think that can hurt the company. Yeah. There was, uh, again, looking kind of over all this stuff. I mean, obviously the, you know, the brawl out stuff just, took over everything. And again, they, they took over MGS return. And if you, if you, yeah. again, you had told me in May that there was going to be a crazier situation like this, I would have said, how? Like, cause remember in May, obviously there was all the MJ stuff around double or nothing. Right. And that whole controversy. And then to think that just months later at their next pay-per-view, the same, <laughs> a, a similar strange situation happened just at the tail end of things. Yeah. And MGF was it was just completely overshadowed. It was just it was it's so surreal to kind of look back and how this stretch was. Um and as I've talked about with uh, I think I talked about last episode and I've talked about before. I'm so fascinated with when things really started deteriorating. Was it around May? Cuz cuz in May and I read the quotes, CM Punk was so happy. And yeah. but was mm-hmm. he happy and everyone else was miserable? Was there right. something we weren't seeing? Obviously there must've been. To some extent I someday we are going to get the whole story about this, and I'm so fascinated. It's going to be like years from now, but I just want to know that timeline to help me kind of make it make sense, you know? I completely agree. I've, I've thought about this 10 times over. For as many podcasts and books or documentaries that have been produced about the Montreal screw job, oh my God, yeah. take that times 100 million when it comes to this, because AEW has a very special relationship with its fans, and those people involved... Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks have a very special relationship with their fans. CM Punk has a very special relationship with his fans. There's going to be so many different sides to this, and and there's going to be so many different ways to take it, so many details we know nothing about. I I find it really hard to believe that Hangman Page was the catalyst for all of this, that he just made CM Punk angry at one point, and CM Punk responded and went off book and and worked a shoot, essentially, for a minute in a promo. I... I don't know. I I think that there's so much more because CM Punk ingrained himself in AEW. He was not Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. He came into AEW and he said, I'm going to work. And he worked. He worked television. He worked on the pay-per-views. He found himself in substantial programs. I think he elevated MJF through after their program by the time it was all done. He wasn't just a, he wasn't there in name. He was there in body and spirit for lack of a better term. He was actually there. And I think he was as invested in the company as anybody else was, which by the way, I mean, those were some rumors too, that maybe that people speculated, maybe he had an office job, right? Wasn't that something that, that punk did? Yeah. That that maybe he was some type of executive that nobody knew about. Weird. No, I had not heard that before. 
Yeah, hmm. I, I, that was one of those conspiracy theories that was running around there. <laughs> I, I, one of those, yeah, it's very possible. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, so I want to go back. So the eight out of ten thing. So this is from a Dave had reported. Uh, this is really back to the August twenty fifth talent meeting, and David actually reported this in mid uh, mid September. That uh, also surfacing uh, was a story at the company meeting called several weeks back. Part of speech, blah blah blah. Uh, some was somewhat irked by a line. He said that eight of the 10 people there, he wouldn't have hired. And one yes. version says he was clearly joking. Um, and he said he was looking at Will Osprey when he said it, it maybe wasn't being <laughs> serious, but others were not happy. Um, and there was some people thought it was a little bit of a, a you know, a little bit of a non-story, but whatever. I mean, he's still, it kind of got out there, but I, what, what I, I bring that up because there's all this, again, as you mentioned, kind of this code of silence and, mm-hmm. and, uh, there was just these little things kind of coming out, you know, and just, right. We just all wanted information because it didn't make any sense and no one was talking. And there was this, uh, this shield of this quote unquote legal situation. Oh, it's a legal situation. And you had fans like coming to like AW's fans say, Oh, it's a reason they can't talk is legal. It's actually not true. So companies deal with legal things, companies of any size, any, any industry, they always do with legal, they do with legal things all the time. But they still have a way to at least acknowledge it. I mean, think of you know, law enforcement. There's there's legal by the definition, there's legal yeah. things. But there's a way to say it so you don't incriminate someone, but you you at least acknowledge something happened. And there was no acknowledgement of it. It's just, just mm-hmm. this weird, like we're all circling the orbit and been like, no, wait, we see what's in the middle here. What what is this planet? You know, and they, they're not allowed to, you know, talk about it. It's so it was such a strange time. And to see who is defending who and to see it was just in this era of information everywhere, the fact we were getting nothing, it's so weird to look back on now. It's so weird and it's so suspect. I mean, that's why you can't, I mean, (laughs) I don't want to say you can't blame, but when people start to, to wade into those waters that say, oh, it's all a work. That's why, like what you just explained, that's why you would have thought at some point by now, more information would have trickled out. You would have thought at some point we would see maybe a clip of a video or something. Somebody would have talked. I mean, Ace Steel got fired, essentially. Why? You, you mean to tell me he couldn't be an anonymous source for some story that and he never goes on the record, but he gives away information to some news outlet? Like, I, why wouldn't he do that? I just don't understand why even the villains who are painted in this story still aren't talking. Even CM Punk. CM Punk has made a career out of saying he doesn't care about authority. Why, why all of a sudden is he saying now I have to sit back and not say anything and not even try to poke the bear. He doesn't even really, there's no like Instagram post or tweet or something that, that makes people think, Ooh, CM Punk is trying to say something. You don't see that at all. He's just gone away. That's unlike him. Yeah. He's made kind of like little, little things, but on, uh, when he does uh, MMA commentary sometimes, but he won't, it's not direct. And it's something that someone could say, oh, that's totally related to it, but it might not be. You know, I think people right. are just kind of fishing for for anything, and I don't know. So, of course, this goes into uh, Grand Slam just a couple weeks later, right? <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, right. What a, what a crazy month, right? So, uh, AEW, so Grand Slam, obviously the second one. This one did not sell out like the first one did, but it was uh, obviously still kind of impressive attendance there at uh, Arthur Ashe. They had a second straight year at a two-hour rampage in addition to the live two-hour uh Live to our diamond and then tape to our rampage, which kept fans there very, very late. They did get to see Eddie Kingston versus Sammy Guevara after all the dust up that happened in August. If you remember that, the match was supposed which, to happen. 
Yeah, and now nobody remembers that either, you know? I know. <laughs> Just it's like, it's in the ether, man. It's in the ether. On the show, uh, Chris Jericho winning the ROH world title uh, from Claudio Castanoli. The Acclaim won the tag team titles in the second of their eventual trilogy with Swerve in Our Glory. Kind of a fun moment there. Again, you can argue should they have won them uh, at uh, at All Out, made made the audible there. But uh, regardless, they were able to get it in closer, I guess, their hometown for whatever that's worth in uh, in Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, Soraya made her debut. It was later learned that she signed a three-year deal with the company, uh, coming out uh, doing a run-in with a uh, runoff. Britt Baker did not get physical. Obviously, that would change later on. We learned more about that. John Moxley became the new AEW World Champion again, uh, winning the Tournament of Champions finale over uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, Kaiji Muto, Great Muta, made a surprise appearance on Rampage as part of the, uh, basically to help def- uh, defend Sting and Darby Allen in a post-match attack. So that was a pretty cool moment there. We'd certainly learn, learn more about the Sting-Muto relationship as it relates to the uh, retirement tour. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then Hangman Page won the Golden Ticket Battle Royal, and he would get a future shot at John Moxley. So yeah, this was, uh, again, just a couple weeks there, there were uh, this whole question of, uh, I, I think I put, how did I put this? I, I know I didn't tweet this, but I think I talked about this internally. Like if you had told me back in, I've done, I've done this analogy a couple times, but back in like May, if you had said at Arthur Ashe stadium, there's going to be uh, no Kenny Omega, no young bucks, no CM Punk, no FTR. And there was only injury affecting one of them. You'd be like, what, what happened? Like this doesn't make any sense at all, right? And then here we are, and they just—it's it, uh, quite a year and quite a quite a two month stretch of this company. It's very true. I before we went before we started taping, I said I think there's a strong case to be made that September is the most or the second most important month um, of the year in wrestling because you can't really top anything that happens with Vince McMahon, and that was in June or July, either one. I, but. Um, this for AEW, this was without question the biggest, the, I would say the biggest month of the year in terms of you got to remember this too, using the example you just used. Remember when the, the MJF stuff happened at, at before Double or Nothing or when, when like Wardlow, we didn't know if MJF was going to show up and did he get on the plane? And it was like 24 hours of people tweeting, he got on the plane, he didn't get on the plane. We saw <laughs> like all that stuff mm-hmm. and it was the biggest controversy. By the time this came around, Nobody remembered any of that. Nobody had any recollection of MJF, you know, kind of going off on his own thing and then going away and all of that because he made his return and it was completely overshadowed by what happened. Then we get to Grand Slam and Grand Slam was a was a really good show, especially considering the roster they had. They didn't have those names you just listed. If you don't have those names and you run Arthur Ashe. It's a tough ask. And they still did a really good job with it. And they actually ran the company like that for, you know, the last three months of the year, essentially. And it worked. I I mean, to me, it it shows how deep of a roster they have. And now I wonder how it, well, I mean, the Bucks and Kenny are going to be in six man tag action or in that world for the foreseeable future. It seems, Mm -hmm. I think we all probably think they're going to win that best of seven series against, um, uh penta and yeah death triangle sorry um and um so they're going to be over there punk's never coming back that's pretty much what we all believe but you still have danielson you still have um moxley who i guess is never going to get that vacation you you have (laughs) hangman page i mean these are all people who carried this this uh this company through this time and grand slam turned out to be a much better than expected show i think 
Yeah. Yeah. And I should have mentioned also for Grand Sam, no Adam Cole, no That's Kyle Riley, yeah. no Bobby Fish, mm-hmm. like that whole thing. Yeah. And I assume, you know, they were going to be leading. My, my thought is probably if all the injuries hadn't happened, they would have done the undisputed elite basically for the trios titles at all. I think that's seemed to be where they were going, but right. You know, best laid plans, you know? Yeah. Well, and now Bobby fish isn't even there anymore. So no, he's certainly not going to talk about that uh, right now. So we'll go through, I'll, I'll go through uh, some of these other uh, bullet points. We'll kick it over to you. Cause there's another kind of interesting story uh, buried in here as well. Uh, w Morsey made his return to the company uh, again, after he was a brief appearance against Wardlow and lead up to, Double or nothing. Uh, Bobby Fish's contract was not renewed, and he started talking, challenged CM Punk to an MMA fight. So there you go there. Uh, Chris Jericho's bruised larynx uh, caused Fozzie to postpone a concert. Will Ospreay wrapped up his dates with AEW. Uh, he had a, a little a short run there leading into Forbidden Door and, and so on and so forth. Tony Khan said he was not optimistic about future or any WWE collaborations, given, quote-unquote, how they have treated me. Uh, ROH women's champion at the time, Mercedes Martinez, was out with an injury. Uh, Kyle Riley had to go undergo neck fusion surgery. Tony Khan said the company was set to gross over $100 million in 2022. They announced full gear set for November in beautiful Newark, New Jersey, where I actually <laughs> attended that show. I can tell you how beautiful it is. Uh, and then finally, we'll, we'll go to this section. We'll kick it over to you. Malachi Black, this was a whole thing during this month as well. So we'll kind of go through these headlines and uh, and and in this so he may have been granted his quote-unquote highly conditional aw release mm-hmm. he had to miss a northeast wrestling show to what due to what he called health issues he later denied the release and said he'll return to aw pretty soon aw filed the trademark the term house of black malachi black later said he was taking time off to recalibrate his life this is not goodbye confirmed he requested his aw release However, uh, later on, he said that he did not, he, I think I mentioned this before, he said he did not actually ask for his release, but he did because you can, he, the way he phrased the Instagram thing, because I did the post for our website and he said it in one phrase. And then later on, he's like, well, I didn't say it. Like, yes, it's right there. Like <laughs> literally black background, white font, like black and white, literally it was right there. I don't know what, if he got confused, I, whatever. Anyway, so uh, we also learned that Malachi, Malachi Black was not the only person to ask for their release following uh, the WWE tampering contracts and, and contacts we talked about last month. But AEW is not granting any requests for release at that time. And then related to all this, Buddy Matthews told an indie crowd that he needs to go away for a while. Mm-hmm. So Malachi Black, I, I should mention, he did this at a prestige pro wrestling show in California. It's when he said he was taking some time off. And, and then like a week later, Buddy Matthews did the same thing at an indie show in Providence. So this whole situation also very strange. Very, very strange. And I had mentioned earlier that, that um, for instance, if you just happen to be writing a, a weekly column on pro wrestling and all you have to go on are these reports, <laughs> you're going to go on those reports. That's it. And then by the time you press publish, some other information could be available. I remember writing at that time that, you know, Tony Khan, like it, there ended up becoming this narrative for maybe two or three days where it's like, Hey, everybody wants their release. And Tony Khan's just going to grant their release. And they're all going to go back to WWE. Well, none of that happened. But at the time that I ended up writing what I wrote, it felt like I was, I was like kind of talking to Tony Khan, like, Hey man, don't just let these people go stand up. You can't just be like, Hey, you want to go fine, go. And what happened with Malachi black and, and buddy Matthews, see the buddy Matthews thing to me solidified everything with Malachi black. I thought, well, okay. 
Now, Buddy has, from what I understand, he's dating Rhea Ripley, who's mm-hmm. in WWE. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't you want to go spend time with your girlfriend and be on the road there? Uh, Malachi Black, his wife is obviously in WWE, Zelina Vega. Yep. Why wouldn't you want to go do that? You know, it's it's a these are reasonable requests to make if you are those guys. Now, you could talk from a business standpoint or a contractual standpoint. I mean, how long had they been in AEW by then? What, eight months, nine months, maybe? Yeah. Not even a year, yeah. something. And so it's like, you can't just do that. You can't play hot potato. But it was something that I found utterly fascinating until all of a sudden Tony Khan kind of came out and made these these statements that were like, well, we're not going to really let anybody go. <laughs> Mm-hmm, <laughs> and right. he said, we're not going to let anybody go. And then all of a sudden you see the news, like you had mentioned, oh, they trademark House of Black. And then you see, you know, Brody King is tweeting this or that, you know, and Julia Hart is out there doing that. So it's like, maybe this was Buddy Matthews or Malachi Black's way of getting their attention because it did kind of feel like at that point, to be fair, the House of Black, they were kind of fading back in to the fold essentially in AEW. They weren't necessarily a prominent attraction the way they once were. They were having very good matches, but it, it didn't feel as special as it once did. Right. Maybe them going away and coming back made them feel special again. And maybe that was part of the plan. They wanted to make sure that happened with Tony Khan. And that's why everything went down the way it did. But you gotta think it doesn't have to be that public. Why couldn't they have those conversations? Yeah. If you if you are a superstar on national television and a prominent wrestling company, you don't have to make an announcement to some indie show with, I don't know, 800 to 1,000 people in it and saying, I'm going to step away and then see what the internet does. These guys aren't naive. They aren't ignorant. They know how people are going to respond to that, right? Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think this is. We'll see where things are with the company a month from now. I'm not like a a, a doomsayer or anything like that. When, you know, I don't follow the rating patterns. Say, oh, they're down. You know, I I try. Yeah. You try to take kind of the, the long view, but we'll see kind of where they're at with a lot of these internal relations a year from now. Because as we talked about in July and talked about this month, these are two very tumultuous months, and they made some promotions and they made some changes. And we'll we'll see we'll see if they work. Um, and that some of these issues like this. You know, there you're, you always have the potential that things like this will come up, but hopefully they're minimized and maybe less public. Obviously, the wrestling media loves this stuff because it's catnip, but there's also a lot of bad information. Good, like it's hard to be able to tell where the information is because nobody talks. Exactly. I guarantee you, if you read, if there are 52 columns a year that I write for ProWrestling.net, 30 of them sound like I'm a complete idiot at this point because I'm <laughs> responding to the information that's out there at that time. And it, especially a year like this, when reports were contradicted almost immediately or a day after, or you had talent coming out and speaking, and then you had executives coming. I mean, it was just insane the way these stories turned around all of the time. Agreed. All right, let me go over the rest of the month and uh, kick it over to you. Uh, Chris Statlander underwent knee surgery, going to keep her over the, the shelf quite some time. Danny Garcia won the Ring of Honor Pure Championship on AEW Dynamite. Chris Jericho revealed that Jake Hager signed a contract extension. Uh, Lucha Brothers versus Briscoe's dream match was pulled from Warrior Wrestling 25, any promotion out in uh, Chicago after uh, AEW ROH quote unquote consultation. That was what called. <laughs> and Eddie Kingston was sent uh, instead. Uh, coming out, they're finally going to make their Seattle, Washington debut in January, tw- January 2023, the first of many debuts in the West Coast uh, and other uh, places set for the early part of the uh, the new year. Mosca Dorada made his debut. Uh, there was a report that Revolution was being planned for the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Obviously, we realized that that was 
not fully correct uh, that other shows during that week were, but that they would be heading to the uh, Chase Center in San Francisco uh, instead. Uh, MJF said that AEW is now paying, quote-unquote, stupid, absurd amount of money and is believed to be making more than $1 million per year after a raise. I don't know if that was ever confirmed. That didn't seem, to, to me, it didn't seem like a lot of money, I, I guess. I, I just... I saw that number. It was kind of like underwhelmed, like that more than a million. That didn't, I don't know, that didn't really resonate with me. Uh, Tony Khan, Tony Khan said the, uh, the real crown jewel of wrestling is the Northeast U.S., not, quote unquote, some BS overseas in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Chris Jericho detailed that we lost 31 pounds in eight weeks. Juice Robinson made his AEW debut against Sting, uh, announced to participate in the Great Muda's retirement match in Japan. Uh, one of the matches anyway. Tony Khan said that uh, TV taping attendance was voluntary for AEW talent that were affected by Hurricane Ian. That was a big thing. Uh, AEW Battle of the Belts 4 was set to air live after Rampage for the first time. Bandito was offered a full-time contract after his uh, very well-received match uh, against then-ROH champion Chris Jericho in, uh, AEW, on AEW Dynamite. Then Roosh officially signed his full-time deal with AEW. Thoughts on any of that? Oh, wow. There's too many. I think <laughs> um, I I don't know. Um, first of all, I want to know how Chris Jericho lost all that weight, because that's still a story for me. I What he said, he switched to vodka. Was that it? <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He said, yeah, it was this whole it was this uh, diet center that he had got hooked up with through a friend. And uh, they have a, a few places nationally, but it's just very, very small portions of things. And he did an interview. I think it was with Men's Health, but some other people like Taz is on it. He's lost a ton of weight. Uh, some other guys in AEW have as well. Yeah, so it's a it's a whole program. Ooh, I, I need to get on that for the new year. So I'm, a, there maybe you if you've got Chris Jericho's number, give me give me that when we're <laughs> off air. Um, you know, it was um you know it was it's it's interesting that these things that you just listed were sort of the afterthoughts of the month because on any other month. They they could be much bigger headlines, I think, but the but because it was such a wild month for AEW, you didn't really really get a chance to to talk much about it. I agree one hundred percent with what you said about MJF's salary. Um, I did not hear what you said that it's around a million dollars or above a million dollars or whatever that is. I had just I was always working under the impression since he just kept saying oh he's making tons of money and blah blah blah. I thought you know they're going to say he's making. 20 million dollars a year or something absurd but a million dollars at eight i mean that you can't be the highest paid guy there right you can't be no <laughs> you gotta no. think jericho makes more you gotta think punk made more you'd think moxley. i mean the elite moxley definitely kenny omega i would i would think um you look to uh wwe salaries you've got a handful you got more than a handful of people making more than that a year so i'd I don't know about that. I I mean, it's not that I wouldn't take a million dollars a year because I would <laughs> certainly love that. But I agree that that's sort of a little underwhelming when it comes to MJF. I'm a little surprised by that. Roosh um, and Bandito coming into AEW, they, they both, these were sort of, this was a hallmark month for both of them. Would you agree when it comes to AEW? Y yeah, I think... Um... I, I'm still here's the thing I get underwhelmed with. Um, so Bandito came in. He had that great match. It took him a while to get signed because he didn't sign until October because he right. went over to Japan, was kind of deciding everything. WWE made a contract offer. Right. And then he uh, you know, he came back in the tournament and then, you know, he was in it for like two matches. He won the first one with like a roll up on Roosh yeah. and they lost the second match. And then he, we haven't seen him. Right. So it, it's they it, it's one of my big issues with the company kind of frustrations is 
they get really kind of they have they have so many people that it's hard to get everyone kind of going at once. But they're introduced to one. There's fanfare, and then it just goes away. Yeah. And eventually they'll come back. And but it's right. it's it's kind of like the territory mindset. But I don't know if that works for what they're doing. So it's hard to really kind of get behind with Roosh. I haven't I haven't really got there with him yet. Um, you know, we had that that match with Moxley that was uh, really good. But other than that, it's he's kind of like feuding with like the Dark Order and stuff. And now this whole Preston Vance thing. It hasn't really done yeah. much for me yet. It hasn't done much for me either. And I agree with you, you know, talking about Bandito and even talking about Roosh in, in, in that sort of way, it reminds me of the House of Black, you know, they came in with a lot of fanfare, as mm-hmm. did Bandito. Bandito came in with so much fanfare that he had that great match to kick everything off. And he's been signed. I haven't seen him on television since, even though WWE apparently made a significant offer to him. And he he was thinking about all these different options he had. He chose AEW. And now we don't see him at all. I don't understand what's going on with that. Is he going to have to pull a Malachi Black and just say at some show, hey, man, I need to take some time off. And then the whole world goes into a flame. And then he says, <laughs> oh, he's back like contending for the TNT title or something. We'll have to see. Right. All right. Let's uh, go to WWE. And obviously the big news of the month was Clash at the Castle. Hugely successful event in, uh, in Cardiff, Wales. And successful and business wise, the show was was really fun to watch. It had an awesome visual. Fans were great. Uh, those daytime shows, especially in the UK, uh, in that area, in that part of the world. I mean, harking back to again the SummerSlam '92. I think people talk about forever. It just it just provides such a different visual and it's so cool. Um, so at the show, we had again the kind of, you know the Triple H uh, regime again continuing on. Giovanni Vinci uh, rejoining Imperium. That was kind of a nice uh, a nice surprise for some people. Yeah. Dominic Mysterio turned heel and later rejoins the Judgment Day on Raw. Sol Sokoa made his debut and joined the Bloodline. He helped uh, Roman Reigns retain the uh, undisputed Universal title over Drew McIntyre. I think that was a surprise for some people, given the the frothiness of the crowd, and that this would if you if that you know I think for so long we kind of been waiting for um, waiting for people to re- waiting for true contenders for Roman Reigns to be like an actual believable champion, and then you had one right there. I can understand why they wanted to keep it on Roman, but if you're going to, again, those chances, you want to snap your fingers and be like, okay, we're going to put this guy over and make him huge and have yeah. that visual forever, you know, that would have been a good thing uh, potentially yeah. there. And of course, uh, Tyson Fury was a tense as well, but this was a, this is a home run for them. Again, they make so much money that uh, they don't need to do stuff like this, but they do. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this. Uh, I mean, they said it, and I think we're going to see a lot more of these type of shows uh, in, in uh, 23 and beyond. Yeah, that that's sort of been the reports coming out of it is that they're gonna they're gonna try to run these. I think there's also a deal with Australia. I think mm-hmm. they're gonna go to Australia. Um, that was a really good show. Um, I had I actually uh, sat in and uh, wrote the live review on that. So I I wrote in real time as it was happening, and I remember that Seamus Gunter match that yes. just blew yes. me away. That was so much fun, and that main event. I mean, even it was. It was putting something on top of something on top of something on top of something. It would never end that main event. It felt like for the the longest time, there was that belief. I think that tiny belief in everybody watching that maybe this is the time for Drew McIntyre. Maybe they're going to do that. And you never see that with Roman Reigns matches anymore. You just don't see that. Um, the setting was right. The crowd was right. The wrestlers were right. And they didn't pull the trigger on it, which, like you said, I understand too. And I can agree with it now. But my God, at that time, that's probably the only 
suspenseful Roman Reigns match I've seen in two years, three years at this point. Mm -hmm. And it was, it created an, an incredible atmosphere. It was an absolute home run for the company. The only thing that I would change uh, would be that uh, sing-along at the end. Now, I love Oasis, <laughs> and I, I uh, Don't Look Back in Anger is my favorite Oasis song, but I don't need to hear Tyson Fury sing that yeah. ever again. So mm. We'll take it from the expert, definitely. Take it from the expert. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, and again, we talked about uh, last month. Uh, the show featured a lot of returns. Um, or, sorry, this month featured a lot of returns. Braun Strowman, Candice LeRae, and also backstage, Gabe Sapolsky, and Ryan Katz, who was uh, a longtime NXT writer, I believe, and and uh, was back with the, the the main roster as well, and that there were some uh, some rumors that WWE and Bray Wyatt had talked about return, you know, support that uh, Triple H had more surprises planned. Of course, the White Rabbit campaign began. It was happened subtly at a house show, I believe, in might have been Sacramento or somewhere in California. I can't remember, but they started playing a uh, uh, White Rabbit song. Um, by a Jefferson, Air, Jefferson Airplane, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yep. and, and it was just kind of this with no video or anything like that. And people are like, that seems odd, kind of the placement of it. And then they started doing QR codes and they kind of just really started leaning into this thing. And obviously the uh, it would not come to fruition until October, but they, they found something here in this campaign. And of course, after it's so successful, they talk about it forever um, and talk about how successful <laughs> it was. And they're going to try to do it again. And you know what happens with creative stuff. You know, people, they, they have the hit and then they try to go back to the factory and do it That's again. Right. And it, it never, it never, it never hits as hard the second time, you know, it, it's, it's tough to do, but they're going to try to do it. Unless if you're Hootie and the Blowfish, it just hit every time over that's, and over. Those that's, guys. that's true. That's true. Uh, every quote unquote, everything is cold regarding Gable Stevenson's status. Uh, Ricky Steamboat and Jerry Lawler documentaries were, Learn to be Dean development for A&E. Uh, Triple H did an interview with Ariel Hawani. And a few of the interesting quotes and uh, storylines out of this. He said, uh, AEW beat our developmental system. Good for them. Uh, I talked about the transition of power of Vincent McMahon. It was a big talking point because Ariel did not ask uh, about the, uh, did not, didn't ask anything about Vincent McMahon, what he thought, all that stuff. And uh, Ariel actually defended his opinion uh, on my show uh, a couple months ago. Uh, Triple H confirming our Brian Alvarez's report that there was, he said there was some truth to Brock Lesnar walking out of WWE the night that Vince retired. I know a lot of people didn't believe that, but it did happen. Uh, a Gable Stevenson idea for Triple H was scrapped uh, with Triple H for WrestleMania due to Triple H's health. That was probably a good idea, just in case. And Triple H was Triple H. Triple H was promoted to uh, Triple Triple H and Triple A. That would be a that would be a, a show. Um, and he was uh, officially promoted to chief content officer. And I threw this line in here because Jericho responded to part of this. He said simply, <laughs> "NXT sucks." That's what one of his quotes was That's going great. on throughout the month. Uh, Seth Rollins opened up about his real life issues with Matt Riddle, dating back to a 2019 Instagram post for Middle's. Uh, now ex-wife, I guess kind of body shaming Becky Lynch and some of the other female stars. So it was an interesting interview where he opened up about uh, some of that stuff and that they keep it professional in front of the cameras, but that, uh, you know, not really ever going to go out for pizza, I believe, is what the what the expression they used. Uh, Royal Rumble was returning to uh, San Antonio's Alamo Dome. A Pat McAfee's uh, commentary role was put on hold due to his ESPN college game day job. Becky Lynch said that Triple H thought that WWE is quote unquote swimming upstream with her as a heel. So they actually moved her back to, to be a face, which made a lot of sense. The company promoted Shawn Michaels to be the uh, senior vice president of talent development and creative. The company hired former uh, Las Vegas Raiders president as their EVP of talent. Sasha Banks, still under contract at this time, 
made her modeling debut. Uh, Damage Control was crowned the new women's tag team champions. Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul was planned for Crown Jewel. And Reigns, when asked about facing The Rock at WrestleMania, if it works out, then I'm ready. We'll see if that actually happens. Johnny Gargano said his return was a no-brainer after the regime change. The company added two new members to their board of directors. Elias replaced Ezekiel on the internal roster, so that Vince McMahon brainchild was done. And then Erica, the Viking Raiders, had to be uh, out of action due to foot injury. Thought about that first chunk of stuff. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, the first, the biggest thing or the most entertaining thing for me, because I remember this and I thought about it. I just cracked up at the 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 Polovec line. I loved it. I absolutely which, loved it. Which we one? Beat the, or AEW beat our developmental. It's oh, so yeah. hypocritical. It's so, <laughs> for so long. He said NXT was not developmental. He said over and over again that that was a third brand. They even built a whole Survivor Series around NXT at one point. They weren't just developmental. They were a third brand. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out after all of this stuff happens, and he says, they beat, congratulations, they beat our development. I just love it. There, there are a handful of people in wrestling. I love when they get chatty. Hunter is one. Roman Reigns is one, too. He's fun when he wants to be. Now, he doesn't give a lot of comments a lot of times, but he can be a lot of fun. But I do think um, at least the one of the more substantial things when it comes to everything you just ran down would be the Bray Wyatt stuff that this is when it began. This was the month where they started to tease it. And what I think we are realizing now we are in December (laughs) as we record this in, in late December. And I think, and I hate to say this out loud, but I think we can all fall in love with the idea of Bray Wyatt, but in practice, Bray Wyatt. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this stuff right now with with uh, L.A. Knight or Eli Drake, whichever you're at, Eli, Eli Drake, right? It's Eli Drake. Yes. Uh, no, no, he, he's going by L.A. Knight again. He was going as he, Max Dupree and then he moved right, back to L.A. Right. Knight. Yeah. OK. Eli Drake's from the uh, the impact days. You're right, though. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, this stuff isn't really working with it. I mean, yeah. you know, L.A. Knight can talk. He He's a good talker. And the Bray Wyatt stuff is a lot of fun. Teasing. Bray Wyatt for so long was a lot of fun. And his debut, his re-debut was a lot of fun. I don't know where you go from here. I don't know mm-hmm. what happens now. I mean, are they going to have a wrestling match? We would think so, right? Is LA Knight, I mean, the knock on the Bray Wyatt character now for a long time has been nobody comes out of those programs looking better than when they went in. How does LA Knight get out of this looking better? I don't see. I don't see how that happens. Is he going to work with Roman Reigns eventually? How could that happen? Well, Roman's not going to he's not going to lose to Bray Wyatt at this point. He's not like, it's just not going to happen. If he does, it's not going to be for a very long time. So I don't know. I hope they, they figure out a way to make that work because that was the, that was the problem before with Bray. Hopefully this time it works out better than it did before. The only other thing that I'll touch on that um, you mentioned were, were the re debuts when it came to Braun Strowman and Candice LeRae. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can agree. Both have been kind of cold, right? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think when everyone comes back, there's the nostalgia pop and people are excited. And then it's yes. always, as we're just talking about Bray Wyatt, what do you do from there? Yeah. And there's intrigue for a bit. And I think with uh, uh, with Bray, it's been, yeah, I, I think it, it's cooled off. I mean, again, we're almost at the end of the year and he hasn't wrestled yet. He came back in October, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's yeah. just it's just not as it's, it's kind of just, I think people are fooling themselves if they think this is as interesting. It's just not, and it's just, yeah. With with Braun, it's uh, they they just they got. It's, it's almost like his uh, 
it was like he was on like he was injured and he came back. You know what I mean? It was not right, like the, yeah. he all of a sudden gets mm-hmm. shot to the top. And with Candace, she's a you know she's a great a great wrestler and someone that fits in in that mix there. But again, I, and I I see people saying the same thing again about Gargano. That's kind of like okay, like it's just it's there was this <laughs> yeah. assumption because Triple H in charge of creative that it was time to make some of these changes. So these talents are getting main roster spots, but it's not like. You know, it's not like Gargano is uh, is being groomed for Roman Reigns or something like that, right? Right, and they're not coming off of every like this is something that I don't think anybody's really talking about. They're not coming off of hot NXT runs, right? They're not all of they're not fresh in our minds to anybody who keeps up with NXT. Like, okay, we saw this episode of NXT three weeks ago. Now we see Gargano on Raw. Wow, that's great. He was just NXT champion for eight months and dropped the belt. Mm-hmm. You know, like something like that, like they did before. Right. And and you just had this sort of what, six to 12 month lull and, and where they were, especially the Garganos with him and Candice LeRae, they were gone. They had a yeah. baby. They went. So, I mean, it's just really hard to keep that momentum up. And then in the case of Gargano, you're coming back to sort of be this comedy figure with Dexter Loomis. and uh, <laughs> The whole and, Loomis thing uh, is so strange. It's so strange. And, and LeRae doesn't have really much of anything to do. The crowds aren't responding to her all that much. I, I don't know. I kind of feel bad for them in that sense. I, I don't really know where they go. I don't know where a lot of those people go. I guess we're moving to Braun Strowman. He's going to work with Gunther. Gunther. Mm-hmm. He's gonna. I, that seems to be where it's going. Um, it's probably, I don't know. I mean, I love Gunther's work. I don't really love Braun's work. So we're going to mm-hmm. have to see how that goes. I, I don't know if that's going to work. Just a battle of two big men. I don't know. I mean, a lot of these rehires, I don't think have hit the way Triple H has wanted. And let's go over the rest of the month in WWE. Uh, Extreme Rules coming into shape. Ronda Rousey, Liv Morgan, Extreme Rules matches on tap. Riddle Rollins in a fight pit match. Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a strap match. And a good old-fashioned Donnybrook among the <laughs> new matches add to that show. There was this uh, narrative about, uh, or not a narrative, kind of a story about what was going on with Hulu. Uh, WWE content was going to get pulled by, pulled by pulled from Hulu on, as I wrote this, it was going to be on the Saturday uh, a random Saturday in September, and they kept getting pushed back because the deal was set to expire, kept kicking it, kicking the can down the road. Eventually, they were able to sign a short-term deal that aligned with uh, the other TV rights there. Uh, Hall of Famer Trish Stratus underwent surgery to remove her appendix, and it was also announced she was returning for Season 2 of Canada's Got Talent. War Games making their debut on the main roster. Two War Game matches announced for WB Survivor Series. Triple H said he thought it would be, quote-unquote, irresponsible for WWE to go back to using blood. See, uh, there he is again. <laughs> there he is. That's right. He discussed calling up uh, uh, Toxic Attraction or Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. There was some talk about calling them up to the main roster. That has still not happened in full yet. Uh, speaking of Triple H, D-Generation X's 25th anniversary celebration was advertised for an October edition of Raw. Can't get, a, can't get rid of him. Uh, Drew McIntyre was pulled from house shows due to food poisoning. The company reached a licensing deal to sell custom SEC title belts. A report came out that uh, Dr. Chris Amon, famously known during the Punk Cabana uh, lawsuit, no longer with the company. Robert Roode saying he hoped he had a quote-unquote successful trip to the orthopedic office. And we still kind of would, would uh, get more details about what was going on with him in later months. Vince McMahon documentary, unauthorized, of course, set to air initially on Vice TV in October. That would not happen until December. There was lots of concern about Randy Orton's back injury. There was talk of day one being scrapped. That would eventually be true. 
And when you talked about earlier, the WWE and Foxtel Group announced an exclusive partnership in Australia, which uh, at some point we do believe will lead to some sort of stadium show there. Stephanie McMahon said she would like to bring one there, and I think that'll probably happen at some point. Thoughts about any of that? That'll be a hell of a show. Yes. <laughs> That's going to be – they're going to cram 100,000 people in something, and it's going to – it's going to be wild. It's going to be cool. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be very cool. Um, you know, there, there really isn't all that much. You know, the 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 Fox stuff, the Hulu stuff. I, I know, like I feel like a lot of this, a lot of what you just said is a testament to, to WWE. This includes the SEC titles, which I thought was bogus. Like, this is just <laughs> nonsense. Why are they making WWE titles for the SEC? Like, you couldn't even do the Big Ten. You couldn't do the Pac-12 or whatever. It's just the SEC. But um, this all proves this last batch of stuff for WWE in the month of September is all a testament to how much of a business they are. They are business first more than they are a wrestling company. Um, and it works for them. You know, that idea that um, it would be irresponsible to move back to blood. Get out of here with that. <laughs> It's just absolute nonsense. You can't tell me that there's going to be a time when somebody's got tons of color, you know, <laughs> something happens, whether it's the hard way or not. I don't know, but they're going to be doing some type of weird match at extreme rules or maybe war games next year, which by the way, you know, you, you had mentioned war games and I thought this year's war games, that was a success with survivor series. We got rid of the brand supremacy, which was always foolish. I thought it didn't really do anybody any good, but for for Triple H to come out and say it would be irresponsible. Come on. I mean, it's it's like I know he doesn't mean 70% of the things that he says. And that's why I kind of like it. So <laughs> I'm I'm happy to be lied to. Keep lying to me, Triple H. It makes for uh, good uh, good discussion points on your end shows. That's for sure. That's true. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of Triple H, let's go to his uh, brainchild, his uh, love, love once again, NXT. We'll go through the month of NXT. Roderick Strong. Injured, keeping him out of some action there, but keeping him doing uh, backstage uh, skits and so on and so forth. Diamond Mine. We had the World's Collide event. Pretty deadly unified the tag team titles. Mandy Rose became the unified women's champion. She had a, quite a hell of a year. Uh, Braun Breaker was crowned <laughs> the unified champion, defeating Tyler Bate. Uh, the company changed their logo away from the, uh, the very colorful one back to the black and gold color scheme. That was uh, a lot of buzz on Twitter that day. Oro Mensa and Saul Ruka were making their debuts on the main show. Saul Sokoa won the North American title. However, it was vacated like days later, and then a new champion was announced to be decided at Halloween Havoc. Ilya Dragunov appeared on NXT TV and confronted both Braun Breaker and J.D. McDonough, leading to a uh, match down the road with them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Veer Mahan and Sangha. Reformed into Sheer at a WWE NXT house show. Yulisa Leon underwent surgery. Uh, several house shows were postponed due to, the, due to the aforementioned Hurricane Ian. Shawn Michaels said that NXT is still reaching out to indie wrestlers and talent from Japan. There was a report that Carl Fredericks, formerly of New Japan Pro Wrestling, was spotted at the Performance Center. The company filed trademarks for NXT Global and NXT Europe. Tony Angelo said he would be back soon after suffering what would suffering turn out to be a minor injury. They would keep him out, I believe, for a couple weeks. And then the aforementioned Mandy Rose announced her engagement to Tino Sabatelli, someone you would see in pictures just a few months later that will result in Mandy Rose being released from the company. Thoughts about the month in NXT? Welcome to McGuire's Mondays, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Mike, as we tape this, my column went live today and everybody hates me for it. So we won't spend too much time I on that. I love it. But uh, thank you. Um, I, I want to get to, do you know anything about Ilya? We haven't seen much of him. Is he injured? Do we know I, why he's gone? I think he 
is injured. Uh, I will okay. look that up while you give thoughts on anything else. Okay. From yeah, I mean, there, there is, boy, there's a lot there. Um, I'm beginning to think that renaming or folding NXT UK into NXT and having those unification matches, those phony baloney unification matches, and then saying we're going to have NXT Europe. I don't think it much more. We don't have much more detail on that since since all of that was announced. Now, obviously, that's probably going to take a while to figure out. But there's something about me that thinks we may never see NXT Europe. <laughs> that just may never happen. And we just got rid of NXT UK because we thought we we're you know we're just going to get rid of NXT UK. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's definitely happening. Um, okay. Oh wow. I you yeah, have inside information, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I, NXT. I I know of somebody. I, I know of somebody that has has been thought of a, as maybe a good coach there okay is so, it you uh i can neither confirm nor deny no not me okay <laughs> i i am not moving to europe that's for sure <laughs> um but yeah it, it, they're definitely going to move forward with it. it's just a question of when um i haven't heard any timeline or anything like that but they have to get there's there's they keep saying uh sean michaels keeps saying infrastructure so i think that means yeah. people to work uh what they want to do with it and uh you know they're going to do is it performance center is it going to be based at a certain spot and one of the things that he also said is they don't want it to be just i'm just kind of paraphrasing doesn't want it to be just uh focused in the uk he wants it to really be italy spain Europe. like it, yeah. yeah he wants it to be like the whole that whole region over there that's the goal of it and i think that's one of the reasons that nxt nxt kind of struggled or the uk struggled a little bit is because it felt like it was just one portion and didn't really encompass Europe that as much as they want to, but yeah, I think it's definitely moving ahead. And Dragunov is injured. He's uh, okay. I don't know what the severity of the injuries is, but that's why he eventually relinquished the uh, NXT uh, UK title. He's been hurt for a while, so we'll uh, we'll see. I don't know what's going on with him. Do we know if Roddy's hurt? Roderick Strong must be hurt too. We don't see much of him. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was hurt for. Oh, I mean, obviously this is back in September because he was just mm -hmm. doing the backstage stuff and he couldn't yeah. be involved in any. Enric stuff. I don't know what his what his status is at this mm -hmm. point. And then there's Mandy Rose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, I don't know. I I still um, I maintain that uh, NXT did her as many favors as she did NXT, and I think it worked. I think it worked for her for kind of lifting her up, and I think it worked for them, kind of lifting them up. Um, now we won't get into any of the other stuff that I'm guess whenever you get to December, you'll talk about more, but that's right. Um, during that time, you know, I believe she won the unified, the titles in a triple threat, I think with, um, uh, B it's not B Priestley. What, what, what do they, what's her name in NXT? Gosh, I keep oh, using these old names. Blair Davenport. That's Blair, right. Davenport Blair Davenport and, uh, Satamura. Yes. And Miko Satamura is a legend. Like she's an absolute legend. I think we all could have loved to see her get that win, but we knew what was pretty much going to happen there. You know, in NXT, the big the big news of this period, of course, was the the color change. Um, I don't think it really mattered at the end of the day because they're still in that setting. It still looks like the 2.0 yeah. arena, whatever you want to call it. And and I think until they sort of change the visuals, it's gonna it's gonna be like that. So I don't know. I mean, it was pretty much a stagnant month as far as I'm concerned, outside of the unification matches when it comes to NXT and changing the colors out of the fluorescent, the fluorescent, I don't know, it was pink and green and all that nonsense. Yeah, it's like the Jackson Pollock, like everything just yeah. splattered, a bunch of color. Yeah. So last on, on Dragunov, there was a there was a story in November. He had uh, 
They confirmed his injury actually on TV. Um, hmm. Xavier Bernal tra- challenged him to a match. And uh, Mackenzie Mitchell informed him that Dragunov was injured and rehabbing in Germany. I don't know what the injury is, but he'll be out for a while. As far as Roderick Strong, the only stuff I can find at this point was uh, just stuff from Sept- just from this month of September. So not really. Yeah. So must be, uh, I don't say severe injury, but something that's obviously going to keep him out for a while, or maybe they don't have any plans for him. I'm not really sure. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, not a lot going on with impact. We'll go over this list. Uh, Aussie Open, Yuya Yamura. Made their debuts for the company. Joe Hendry was signed. He had been away for several years, a uh, big Scottish boy, and eventually mm-hmm. won the Digital Media Championship. D'Lo Brown no longer with the company. Good Brothers said they were keeping their open for an impact return. Not really. Uh, <laughs> no, they maybe, are. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe down the road, who knows, You know, years and years from now, of course. Uh, Victory Road happened this month. Not really a newsworthy show. Steve Macklin winning a three-way barbed wire massacre match. Uh, Frank Xarian earning the number one contender spot. For the X Division title, that will lead some interesting things down the road. And then Bobby Fish, the aforementioned Bobby Fish, made his uh, return, or his debut on the show, rather, and did a promo, and everyone didn't really seem to care that much. The, <laughs> the Kingdom, the OGK, and uh, versus the Motor City Machine Guns, tag team title match was set for October's Bound for Glory, as well as a Call Your Shot Gauntlet returning, and Raven being inducted in the Hall of Fame. Thoughts on any of that? Uh, the Yui Mora stuff really stuck with me, and I don't know why, and that also... Uh, um, reminded me of w- one other quick thing I wanted to say about NXT because you did mention how Carl Fredericks uh, showed up at the PC or at least it was reported that he was at the Performance Center yeah. in- for WWE and I've been wondering where he's going to end up I kind of thought that might be it but we haven't seen him right there's he doesn't look like he's going to be on NXT we have, I, I don't know I don't, do you know yeah I don't know what his deal is right now good yeah. question and, and and it's um you know it's the same I was very surprised when I saw Yui Mora um, show up on impact because I mean, new Japan and impact has this weird relationship where they really are sort of synergized. I mean, they, they have a lot of turnover. It's pretty much a lot of new Japan people being on impact television and that's kind of it, but I guess you do see some impact people over there, at least on new Japan strong. But um, I, I don't know. I was kind of, I, I just have this feeling and it could be wrong and it could be entirely biased and I, maybe I'll regret saying it, but it's like when I saw, Oh, are you Imura? on impact i was like oh man don't get lost in that shuffle please don't get lost in that <laughs> shuffle i was i was really worried for him and i don't think have we seen him a lot on impact since then i don't no. really know we've seen him a ton yeah no they they've uh they have a, i mean they have a pretty good arrangement with them that you mentioned and they've had a all year they've had a ton of people kind of coming in from new japan doing short runs and then leaving he was uh i think he was part of the x division title tournament just wrapped but didn't really you know, make much of an, an impact uh, pun fully intended on that one yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think he was just a guy that they they wanted to feature in a few matches give him a couple wins but not do anything that serious with at least at this point yeah and i just i don't know i i wonder i wonder how much good it does now i i would also think when you get to december you're probably going to talk about that josh alexander match that just happened um the 60 minute match that was really really good and impact is capable of of putting on good shows and and have really good matches but they're also capable of just completely throwing somebody to the wayside and somebody is young and sort of is sort of still trying to build his career up as yuri mora i just you know just a little worried about that but but outside of that yeah it was a pretty joe henry i love joe henry you mentioned him big dude love him um but there really wasn't much going on in impact that's kind of how it goes though you know they tape what pretty much once a month or twice a month at this mm-hmm. point you, yep. you know everything right away so 
God bless them, but there really wasn't much to talk about there. Let's flip to uh, Japan. Are you a big uh, Japanese wrestling watcher? I well, yeah. I mean, I, I cover strong. And oh, then, that's right. Yes, uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I um uh yeah. So and I also keep up with with a lot of the other stuff too. Um, because with New Japan World, you can pretty much watch any of it at this point. Yeah, and so I say I. I I didn't think of that because when I think of strong, I don't think of, I don't think of his Japanese wrestling yeah, as much as I yeah. do new Japan proper. You know what I mean? Definitely, it's kind of, yeah, they, they yeah. kind of really kind of separated that out. So, um, yeah, yeah let, let's go through the month and this will include a couple, uh, obviously main roster and, and, uh, new Japan strong, uh, news. So Hiroshi Tanahashi was set for a strong showdown taping. Kaiji Muto's final match was announced for pro wrestling. Noah's Tokyo dome return, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kaiji Muto, Announced to be part of a six-man match at a October event for Noah as the uh, Mudo retirement tour rolling on. New Japan launching, launching Tamishi brand, I believe that's how you pronounce that, for the Oceana yeah. market. And Jeff Cobb was announced as uh, the first talent that was going to be appearing on that show. The uh, company announced they were holding World Tag League and the Super Junior Tag League tournaments at the same time. A. Kingston had to be pulled off a strong taping due to a positive COVID-19 test. Kevin Blackwood was pulled from... Autumn action, uh, some tapings due to personal reasons. FTR versus Aussie Open was announced for New Japan Royal Quest 2. Both nights, the cards were fully announced. However, not airing live on Fight, just on New Japan World. Uh, I put this in here not for big news, but just because I love this match, uh, this idea of a match, a tornado dog cage survival match <laughs> set for New Japan, uh, Burning Spirit and Beppu. Uh, New Japan announced a second October pay-per-view for New York City. Obviously, that would be the uh, Halloween shows that they did. New Japan canceled the burning several Burning Spirit events due to a typhoon over there. Kushida diagnosed with a very painful hand, foot, and mouth disease. It was pulled from at least one New Japan event and actually would turn into many New Japan events because <laughs> I have never had that. I have had friends that have had it that are adults, oh. and it is the absolute worst. My daughter's had it. Not oh, as no. bad, but my if you get it as an adult, it is... The absolute dirt worst. I will tell you that much <laughs> right now. Kyrie was announced for the IWGP Women's Championship Tournament. Chaos, uh, three members of Chaos, rather. Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Yo winning the New Japan six-man tag team titles during the month. The company added three matches, a declaration of power. And again, Sting was announced to be participating in the Great Muda's retirement match. Thoughts on any of that? You started with uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi showing up on a New Japan Strong uh, taping yes and i just I, I again i will keep this brief because i feel like i've rambled too much already but uh I've, I've covered a few new japan strong tapings uh when they've been in philadelphia here and uh i think it was the last one that i covered the main event had tanahashi in it and if you're in jersey maybe you went to some of these tapings i don't know but it is so bizarre to be in a room because it's at the 2300 arena in philadelphia which holds I don't know, 800 to a thousand people, maybe, yeah. maybe less, could be less. And you're in a room with Tanahashi, you know, standing from me to my computer screen away. And he's just Tanahashi, like one of the most important Japanese wrestlers going right now. And he's playing to 600 people. And you're just like, what world is this? I don't, why would you come? Why would you come be unstrung? I don't really understand this, but God bless him for it again. That's the, that's, um, that's that's good for him. The great Muda, the great Muda stuff to me is is uh, fascinating, and I love to see it. Um, I love that Sting's involved. I guess Darby Allen's going to be involved too. Yes, Darby yeah. Allen's going to make the trip with Sting. Um, 
And I think uh, there there are those rumors swirling around that the Forbidden Door will be open at the Royal Rumble, and the Great Muda might be an entrant this year. Really? Don't yeah. know. That's I've I've just read that out there. That could be complete speculation, but um, I love to see that. Uh, anybody who watched WCW back in the '90s loves Great Muda. Yeah. You have to the Green Mist, everything oh, mist. that he did, awesome. Yeah. It was, it was the, hand, so the handspring elbow in the corner. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, cool. It was like it was something you'd never seen before at that time, or at least I don't know however old I was at that. I had never seen anything like it, so I loved it. So it's really great to see him sort of be able to do all of this. Um, outside of that, you know those <laughs> some of those met like the 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 dog cage match, man. <laughs> the dog. So great. Such a great name for a match. I just love it. It really, really is. And I remember the the Royal Quest stuff was a big deal at the time. There were so many people that wanted to see, I believe, wasn't it FTR and Aussie Open? Yes. And and so like um everybody wanted to see that match. Everybody wanted to see that match. And you couldn't unless if you had world, because it wasn't on fight, or was it a pay-per-view? No, it well the, the Royal so the Royal Quest they put it on New Japan World the first time it was on fight, though. It was a, it was okay. a pay-per-view. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we had someone yeah. to cover it for us. Yeah. Yeah. So that I mean, that was that's a sort of a, a hallmark tag team match. And you know, speaking of uh strong and because when, when we mentioned strong, you're like, I don't even consider that actual New Japan, but Aussie Open, who are the first tag champs on Strong, yeah. I think they're kind of transitioning now. They've graduated to Japan full-time-ish like they're they're over there much a lot more than they're over here and i think they're going to end up being probably one of the the better bigger name tag teams in new japan next year i would think i would hope they're one of the best in the world anyway so hopefully it works out for them mm. i need to uh, set the record straight that i am not from new jersey nor do i live in new jersey i cannot take credit <laughs> for that i merely visited I'm actually in New Hampshire, so a different new at the beginning. Oh, so not okay. not too, not too far away. Yeah, I actually call. I actually chose to go to New Jersey to see that and spend a whole weekend there. That's that's how I roll. That's how that's, I because you're committed. You're committed to your craft. Yeah, I, I was definitely committed somewhere for going down to Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's uh, let's go through the rest of with the drunk drawer. So this is basically everything that happened everywhere else, and not a lot of stuff this month. Usually, this list is a lot longer. But uh, Velveteen Dream in the news, and this was a very strange story. I love this, love this. this up. I think this might have been on a Sunday, and Sundays are usually pretty slow for us. But this was not. Uh, EC3 uh, accused the Velveteen Dream of unsolicited bathroom filming during his NXT run at a party that they held as apartment. Uh, claims WWE knew about it. Uh, EC3, uh, sorry, uh, Velveteen Dream denied it and then alluded to uh, white powder being at the party, essentially saying that EC3 and others were doing cocaine, so that's always good. Later in the month, uh, Velveteen Dream alleged to have threatened, punched, and bitten a gym employee. And the dream is court, a court date was canceled and then a uh, battery and trespassing case was potentially dropped. Just a, just a mess of a year for the man who was Belveteen dream. Anyway, this story was so weird about the bathroom filming and listening to uh, EC3 describe it on a podcast was really strange. It was just kind of one of these things like what, again, it's kind of uh, almost in the same spectrum as when you talk about seeing Tanahashi in front of like 600 people. I'm like, what have I done with my life that I'm at this point listening to this EC3 talk about this, <laughs> alleged bathroom <laughs> filming incident with this other man. It's just, it's like, what, 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 what's brought me to this place in my life? And it was, it was never really 
explained what the intentions were. That that's what I never really quite got. Are were there implications for Velveteen Dream filming people in the bathroom? That what was he looking for entirely? I I don't I, know. I I think I think the. I think he just, I think the intention or the implications that he wanted to see different people's genitals for some reason to compare. Well, yeah. I, it was just <laughs> like, compare. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just a very, very strange a, situation. And he can, and the, the perfect foil for somebody like this is EC3. Cause EC3 is going to come out swinging the way oh, that he did. He's, that's what he does. Right. That's, I mean, he's nothing, he's nothing to lose at this point. Right. You know? And he's always going to want to control his narrative. So all, <laughs> all gloves are off. But I, when, when it comes to Velveteen Dream, it's like, man, get off the stage. Yeah. Just get off the stage. We're done. We don't need to hear any more about you. You know, I know. I know. I think he he's I mean, he's off the wrestling stage for sure, but he's in the legal yeah. stage more often than, than not more than him the rest of the year. Uh, NWA Power was uh, supposedly going to be returning very soon. Of course, this followed all the backlash from. Billy Corgan saying that there wasn't enough female talent to do an empower and that <laughs> whole thing. Right. We still have not seen anything to this point. Uh, a, the Mall of America held this uh, first wrestling held this show at the Mall of America. Uh, it actually happened. I, we allude to this in a previous episode, but Saturday Night Nitro actually did happen. Came through. Starcast filed a trademark for Super Clash. Ricky Snebo announced he was going to be returning to the ring in November. Uh, actor Jeremy Allen White uh, of The Bear and also of uh, Shameless uh, was going to be playing Carrie Von Eric. In the movie The Iron Claw, which uh, might be out next year, I believe. Camille uh, now she was replacing Thunder Rosa at AAA Triple Mania in uh, Mexico City. Also, Ray Phoenix to challenge El Hijo del Bacingo for the mega championship there. Ring announcer Dan Masters passed away in a car accident. Leo Rush announced he was, was cleared to return to the ring. Uh, I clue this in here just to tweet Brian. Brian Alvarez and <laughs> Billy Starks lost to Filthy Tom Lawler and Killy Kelly at GCW uh, Black, Black Label Pro. Four cups stuffed, and then uh, Alex Cologne, John Wade Murdoch won the GCW tag team titles in a double ring steel cage match at GCW Art of War 2. Thoughts about any of that? Well, first of all, don't plan on streaming that Vikingo match, whatever no. you do. You're not going to be able to stream that. Um, the Alvarez Billy Starks match was a lot of fun. That was yeah. a lot of fun. That you got it. I'm sure you, I'm sure you watched it, right? You're probably. Oh yeah, contractually obligated to watch it. <laughs> exactly. I had the whole family huddled around. I'm just like, watch this guy that I work with get uh, get the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was, the, to think. Now you said when you started this list, you're like, usually the the sort of uh, junk drawer, as you called it, is a much longer list. Mm. But it's like, think of all the other things that happened this month and you, right, you exactly. say well it's it's like ooh, well yeah um nwa uh something should be if this is going to be sort of the recap of the year in, in september of 2022 you know i don't know why billy corgan has to to say pretty much anything he ever says anymore he doesn't he doesn't say anything nice or valuable or or even that smart i think i mean he's clearly one of those people and, and i've i've heard this from people who have dealt with him before that he always believes he's the smartest man in the room, which we can all probably believe about Billy Corgan, mm -hmm. but to go on and on about this, this women's wrestling stuff, it's just, I, he needs to know when to stop. And, and that pissed off Tony Khan too, right? Tony Khan had to speak up about it. Well, Tony Khan after empower uh, the first one, the only one said, yeah. I think it was on busted open appearance. That he, he was just kind of going off one of these Tony Khan tangents and he, he basically said that uh, I, he say that Billy Corgan never thanked him or something along those lines. Right. It was one of those things yes. where 
He just felt slighted. When he feels slighted, he's going to figure out a way to get it in <laughs> some interview somewhere along the way. And just one of those tone, like thing that kind of bounces here to here to here to here. So and if it, I remember hey, I was on Bust Oaks. I think I wrote the story for the website. And I'm just like, this is this is unusual. But I guess we'll go for it. So why not? Yeah. So there's something there. Something there. Yeah. He, well, because I guess Tony Khan uh, claimed that he paid for a lot of yes. power uh, per, for a lot of the talent yep. and was never given a thank you. And then. Uh, Billy Corgan really just never followed up with an all women's all women's pay-per-view. I mean, NWA at this point is a parody of itself. It it you know it, it went away for a long time. NWA was very irrelevant for a long time and when it got kicked in the pants by Billy Corgan, it came back and it had a lot of steam behind it. Nick Aldis was a good champion, I think so at least for that brand. Um, you know, you had Eddie Kingston there, you had Ricky Starks there when NWA first started back up and things were going really well. Right now, it's become a parody of itself. I mean, you can have whatever disagreements you want with Tyrus being the champion for his mm -hmm. political views and whatever else you want to say, but it's just not a good wrestling show either. And so I don't yeah. know why he would say what he's saying. That's my rant on Billy Corgan. <laughs> All right. Well, hour and 18. We're here. We're at the end. Big month. Uh, I mean, again, we, we talked about all the AEW stuff. We talked about Clash at the Castle. Uh, the AEW stuff could have taken up its own episode in its own right. Yes, I agree. Maybe we'll, that, that'll be part two. That'll be the B-side. That's, <laughs> that's right, the B-side. Uh, before I let you go, Colin, I want to give you a chance to plug away where people can. I know you mentioned your, uh, your well-beloved uh, Manny Rose column you just put out <laughs> but um, on this on Monday, December 19th. But tell me, uh, tell, tell the people where they can follow you on social, where they can read you, and all the good stuff. The floor is yours. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mick G's Mondays. That is named after uh, McGuire's Mondays, a very creative name. Thank you very much for my Monday column where I write about everything, including Mandy Rose and Mandy Rose and Mandy Rose every week, all the time. Mandy Mondays, um, yep. Mandy Mondays, <laughs> very good. That was great. Um, I also uh, live review AEW's Rampage Friday nights at 10 p.m. on ProWrestling.net. I also provide an audio review. You can hear this voice if you so choose on Friday nights as well, talking about it. And then on Saturday nights, new Japan strong when that, um, after that debuts on new Japan world, I'll write about that. And I talk about that as well. So come check it out. ProWrestling.net is the site. And I guess that's all. I guess that's it. Great stuff. Well, it's been great to uh, have you on. I love the first time guests and, uh, yeah. we'll definitely have you back. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. That would be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Good stuff. Well, Colin McGuire, we have, will bid adieu to September and we'll bid adieu to you. Thanks so much for joining Josh Nason's Punch Out. Thank you. All right. That was a fun month, September. Again, it was a hugely newsworthy month. And of course, Vince McMahon's story being the biggest story of the year by far. But in terms of a solid month, you know, September's hard to beat really hard to beat. We'll see what happens when October comes in uh, just a couple days, that review show. And uh, that's already in the can. So I'll be coming on Friday as you hear this perfect listening for your last second Christmas shopping needs when you're out and about on Friday or Saturday or even Sunday. Hey, just put the, put everyone to the side. So you got to listen to Josh Nason's punch. Oh, catch up on the scene, right? So we'll also have a MMA year in review show coming up by uh, episode three. Uh, I don't know. That'll be coming out next week. And we'll have a November edition of the Year in View show for Pro Wrestling coming out next week. And then the following after that, of course, we'll have the finales of both episodes, or both the series, rather. 
So it should be a lot of fun. This has been a really fun series. Good to talk to all types of new people, some familiar faces along the way as well. This last stretch has been a lot of new faces, including my guest for October, who uh, is a well-known wrestling personality on Twitter. I'll put it that way. Someone you've probably heard of and may have made you laugh once, twice, or three times. We had a good conversation as well, so I'm looking forward to that. So I'm going to let you go. Had a lot of choices in your podcast day. I greatly appreciate the time you spend with me or any of the fine guests here at WrestlingObserver.com. And until next time, which will be on Friday, insert catchphrase here. <laughs>